Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. A man become preeminent. He's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. podcast this is episode number 34 on this episode i will be joined by mike carter and lucas beery and we talk about bullpens we get into the mess of bullpens as it is right now it's a painful area to dive into but considering that plenty of people are getting into draft season right now with draft champions and draft and hold and best balls and NFBC 50s or any type of league you're in right now, you kind of want to get a little landscape of the closer situations and see where you can best take advantage of where they are going in ADP. So we're going to do our best to go team by team and discuss about who we like in the bullpen as is and the potential for some free agent signings for those teams as well, and as well as discussing some free agents that are still available in the closer market and where they could possibly land. So we did our best to keep it short, but we ended up going long, so I split it into two segments. So this will be the first segment, and then I will release another segment separately from this, so make sure you catch both of them and follow Mike Carter and Lucas Beery on Twitter. With that being said, thank you for the listens and the support. It's been extremely overwhelming at times, the outreach back, and I appreciate everything. And if you haven't done so yet, it would be much appreciative if you can head over to Apple Podcast or whatever platform you are using that you can leave a rating and review. And if you take a snapshot of your rating and review and send it over to me on Twitter at DeadPullHitter, I will send over some pull hitter swag to you. That being said, let's dive into this. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by two very handsome men, Mike Carter (laughs) and Lucas Beery. How are you guys doing tonight? I haven't been called handsome, I don't think, ever. Oh, well, (laughs) fucking A, the first time for everything, Mike. No, I'm doing great, (laughs) Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. It's just a constant... um, uh, constant talking baseball with everyone. So it's great. I feel, I feel good. I feel I, like, um, every time, you know, I get out here and I'm talking to guys and, um, next week, ladies too. getting some ladies on the show next week. I'm super excited about that. Um, had Jenny Butler once she's coming back on with a couple of other special guests. Um, uh, but getting back to you guys, 
super excited to talk with you guys because tonight we're talking bullpens and um, I know, so I just learned that both of you guys are from Indiana recently. I didn't know that was, or well, went to Indiana um, University, right? Correct. So you guys are going to, his father. So you guys are going to gang up like Calvert fucking Cheney on me, are you? He was terrific. <laughs> he was, he was one of the, like, he was just so smooth and graceful. And, it, and, and, and one of the nicest people you'd ever meet. That, Super that, nice guy. that 13, 14 footer on the baseline was cash. Mm-hmm. Cash. Um, he was like Chris Mullen was for my St. Johnny's, like that similar, um, you know, ease. Um, but anyway, so why don't you tell the listeners where you guys um, can be found, what you guys are up to these days in the fantasy baseball world? Are you are you doing any leagues? Are you producing some content? I know you guys are involved with that. So, uh, yeah, why don't you explain um, and tell tell the world what you guys do? Lucas, why don't you go ahead and start it off, man? Oh, absolutely. Well, first off, I just wanted to thank you for uh, having me on the show, Rob. I've been very impressed with how many guests you've had on. You're going more all in uh, with this podcast than your Nets did for Harden. So congrats there. <laughs> yes, Lucas. Good one. Lucas with a win. So, yeah, um, I've been welcome, doing some... <laughs> I've been uh, hammering out some pitching ranks, uh, dropped a top 100 a few weeks ago, and I'll be hitting that up uh, about once a month, every month before the season starts, and release articles occasionally over on Fantasy Sports Degens, uh, that's Casey Bubba's site, um, and I also do a podcast usually about two or three a month uh, with my podcast partner, Lou Landers, called Lou Cast Baseball Pod. Uh, so feel free to check that out over on the Sports Crew Radio, or I'll tweet out the links on my page on Twitter at BeeryPlox33. Bam. Love it. Mike, what about yourself? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not as busy as Lucas is, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> no, I I, uh, I write for two different sites. I started with a, a site called 9 Any Know-It-All in about 2015 and just do some general baseball writing for them. They're based out of the Pacific Northwest, a couple of really great guys that gave me a chance to work with them a little bit. And then in uh, last March, I started working for SP Streamer. Uh, Michael gave me a chance to write for, for the site and then uh, went over to Roto Fanatic um, in the early springtime and got jumped into the uh, bullpen section there, which is called Closing Remarks on our website. And it's a weekly uh, article that I put out on Sunday morning. It's um, hell on wheels getting it done on the weekend. Um, staying up and watching the late games and trying to figure out who the hell's closing for which team. Um, and the last year that, as you guys know, there was more turnover than just about any year that we've seen uh, in, in baseball history. So between those things, I'm raising a couple of good kids out here in the, in the Midwest, just outside of Chicago. By day, I'm a special ed teacher and, and principal at a therapeutic day school. And uh, just trying to, to keep it going here, Rob, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you too. I mean, I was telling you before we started recording that last night I noticed that your name is on the back of the baseball forecaster. And I was like, this is royalty, man. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for having me and letting me gab with you guys tonight. I appreciate it. hundred percent, man. I, I'm so happy you guys are here. Bullshitting, talking good stuff. Um, <laughs> it's cool. It's, it's, it's great. Um, I love this. It's, it's like the best part of doing the whole podcasting is seeing everyone's faces and, you know, seeing some mannerisms and getting to like, you know, know each other as good as we can until we can go to first pitch or wherever and uh, meet up, you know, and, you know, 
do some real hanging out. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk to you guys about bullpens because I know a lot of people are a little hesitant to get into it, and it's there's you know understandably a mess. But I thought like you know people doing some draft champions, and you know maybe we can get a little insight into uh, or you know best balls, or maybe we can kind of get into you know how we can attack. Um, saves and and to just and talk about too a little bit um, holds because um, I play in a couple of leagues that use holds or home leagues and um, you know I'm always constantly trying to scan the bullpens. I think when I did my first DC this year, it was the first thing I did was I looked at bullpens and like free agency and I tried to just know where I was able to really kind of wait around and you know take a stab at a guy who. Um, I'd have to waste some high capital on. So um, I figured, why not do a pod where we can talk about bullpens, right? Why not? Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you guys, when you evaluate your closers, um, what, are you, what are you generally looking for? What's some like basic rule of thumb to look at when you're looking for, you know, um, saves? So kind of the first few things I'm looking for is before I even look at the skills, I'm looking at the team context, right. uh, manager usage rate, as well as depth chart. Um, so that's first and foremost, even before the skills. Um, obviously, then I'm going to look for swing and miss ability and high skills, as well as home run prevention. And I'm going to be looking for velocity, uh, ground balls, and then almost just as, and actually far more important than the skills, I'm looking for health. There's going to be some guys we're going to talk about tonight that. I have questions about their health and I'm a full fade. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's uh, pretty much covered, you know, what exactly you want to do when you're approaching, you know, who, who my clothes, Mike, are you on the same page with most yeah, of those? Same, same thing. Yeah. I mean, even simpler than even what Lucas is saying for me. I mean, I look at opportunity, right? I mean, you got to look and see, uh, you know, th- there's so much churn at the position that I think you got to really take a look at the depth charts of every team. And I, and I keep a running log of those things during the season when I was doing the closing remarks, because it can change from day to day, as you guys know. So I'm looking for opportunity. I love what Lucas said about the swinging strike percentage too. To me, that's a huge indicator to look at when you're trying to draft a guy uh, that's going to have some, some high profile opportunities to close for you. Right. And actually um, every single thing you guys mentioned, hundred percent, you should be in on it. That, that the team context thing is huge. Um, I try to, I try to look at a bunch of things, even, like um, the age of the guys and whether they have arbitration years eligible and whether a team might want to build up their worth, you know, through, through having them close or rather just, you know, sign a veteran and not worry about that. Um, so it's kind of like a little thing that I like really like to get into. And um, I think, I think it's important. Um, like you guys mentioned, like the swing and miss stuff. I even took it like an, a next level up this year, actually, on Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard, he has whiffs per swing. And um, just I've really been trying to dive into that with the closers because I feel like in a short, like in a shorter sample, like a one in example, you, you know, I want to even go even more micro on it. I want to see who like can really impact per swing because you're going to have, you know, um, in a one run game or two run game the impact is greater. So you want guys who can show like that ability to really put guys down, like not have, you know, any ability to get the ball out in the play. Like I want that. So um, I think that's something really cool to check out. I've been diving into that a whole bunch on the pitch leaderboard. So um, yeah, you know, the closer game is always so, 
know, tricky, like Mike mentioned, right in the forecast of this year, you know, they always have the snapshot of the percentage of teams of uh, closing games on, you know, the amount of guys that get 30 plus and 20 plus and five plus. And you can see the amount of guys that are getting 30 plus are going down and the guys, you know, five plus are going up. And even the percentage for starting pitchers to relief pitchers is swinging almost like, you know, 54 to 46% last year was definitely a little, you know, more, I think, than normal, but it was still trending that way. So it's um, it's a pretty wild game to get into because there's only like a few locks right now and everything else is, is um, you know, can be completely up in the air. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I was telling you guys before we started recording that over the summer when I was writing the closing remarks articles, there were times where I, it would be Saturday night and I was like, there's five or six teams. I have no idea who's going to get the save opportunity tonight. <laughs> but, you know, you just don't, you just don't know, you know, uh, Lucas talked about context and you, you talk about the way that the game flows and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, you know, Cesar Valdez is getting a save for Baltimore. He's like, where the hell did that come from? Good old Cesar. <laughs> a little sneaky this year. So you guys play in leagues with holds? I have I have a, a dynasty format. It's six by six and it has saves and holds separated out. So you control for cheap holds all day. Mm-hmm. but they're going to come with really crooked ratios out there on the waiver wire. Right. Uh, say, saves in that situation are really tough, but that's my only holds league. I don't have any leagues that I just have pure holds. I have one league that I play in that saves plus holds, which is an interesting league to be in. So is it called Solds? <laughs> I don't know that anybody's named it, Rob. No, yeah, no, Solds is out there. I'm not the first one who said Solds. I like that. Right. I mean, it's better than how would you break it the other way? It would be hold plus it would be halves. Now nah, it's got to be sold. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's 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 an interesting it, it's an interesting uh, category. Very interesting category. Not as uh, I mean, it's pretty crazy when you're really trying to get down to who might you know um, you know get a hold. It's, it's interesting. I know when my league went to. My home league, we voted on going to it because a lot of guys, you know, wanted the some of the middle relief pitchers to have, um, you know, more value and more use mm-hmm. because they're good arms. And, you know, it's um, a head-to-head format with categories each week. And so we went to the holds and, you know, just opened up a whole brand new um, strategy, you know. It sure um, does. Right, yeah. You know, we have like, we have nine pitcher slots, uh, five five starters, three relievers, and then one can be a flex. And it's just interesting what it sets into play. You'll get teams, to, you know, that still go three, you know, of the surefire closers. Um, you'll get teams that go no closers and $1, you know, it's an auction league and $1 hold, you know, guys, and just, you know, turning through them, you know, each week, depending on opportunity and who's hot. And um, it's, so it's definitely an, a, a whole new monster um, and it's tough, but, I enjoy it. Like it's, it's cool. It's a, I think I could, I think it only makes you better in preparing for who might come up for saves, you know? So I think it's um, one of those things where it benefits. Like when I got into dynasty, like I, um, now I know more of the prior pool. So it benefits you somewhere. Um, And so that's why I like the souls. I feel like even if just one league and I have to focus on a little bit, it's still enough to help me in other parts of my game. Do you guys know who led the major leagues in holds in 2020? Oh, I was gonna. Um, I actually don't. Like, I'm gonna say, um, 
May on the Twins. Good guess. Close, but not quite. Mm. He's lefty. Andrew Miller? No. <laughs> uh, let's see. Lefty bullpen. Um, Is it uh, Victor Gonzalez? Victor Gonzalez. Good uh, guess, too. No. This guy actually might close this year for a team that's actually pretty good. Andrew Miller? Um, it's American League West. Oh. Deekman. Deekman, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had fourteen. He had fourteen holds in twenty twenty. Yeah, wow. That's uh, that's an interesting pen. We'll get into it. We'll get yeah, into it. We that. will. Yeah, yeah we yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Um, I'm gonna say, do you guys have um, Lucas? When you when you attempt to like project holds, do do you do you have any type of thing you like to stick to, or have you found anything to like pop out at you? Yeah, so um, when I am looking at holds, obviously the team context comes into place. I'm looking for those elite teams that are going to win, you know, 57, 58% of their games and, and usually have the lead to save mm -hmm. or hold, rather. Um, the other thing that I'm going to look at, uh, because these guys fluctuate so wildly, obviously that's why this position's so tough, is I look over the past 30 days, I look at the strikeouts and walks of different guys. Uh, just to see who's been effective lately, even if the results are not bearing it out. And then the other thing I do is I watch a lot of games throughout the summer. So I kind of look to see who's being used in which inning. And for example, when Tommy Canely had a rough year, I believe in 2018, nobody was really on him, but I was watching a game and I saw him come in in the eighth inning, obviously high pressure. And I thought that the, the manager had serious trust in him. So he had a good year that year and kind of just watching really early in the season, seeing which managers utilize which guys in what innings. I feel like it'll show you their confidence levels and you can translate that into fantasy for prioritizing who you want. Yeah. And if you took, if you took a look at Canley's uh, swinging strike percentage in 19, it was almost 18%. And so I think that's a really good indicator. Like you're saying, you know, you're looking at the teams that win. You're looking at teams. Um, I, I, one of the things that I like to do too is, um, it, it, the pitching has really changed, right? I mean, we don't need to be rocket scientists to figure that out. Even I know that one, right? I mean, <laughs> you're going to have, you're going to be seeing six man rotations in some places. You're going to be seeing middle relievers having more value than they've ever had. Absolutely. You know, you, you could easily see, I, I feel like you could easily see 50%, maybe more than 50% of wins coming to middle relievers and, and starting pitchers are just not getting the wins anymore, as you guys know. So it really puts a microscope on those guys that might be able to help you. Um, even if they don't help you with holds necessarily, you're getting guys with high K rates and low ratios to kind of try to control that kind of the game is really important as well. But, you know, you, you're absolutely right. I think Lucas and looking at the teams that are going to win a lot, it, it, it ain't rocket science. You're going to want to try to grab some of those guys for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. I totally, totally agree with that. I, I know for, you know, I know those, I think what you said, Mike, about, you know, the, the winds changing over and um, especially in, I feel like where you play in a, in a category league and a head to head where, you know, there might be a certain like minimum threshold of innings and you can go that route of just rostering really good ratios. You don't need that like heavy volume, like a Roto league or like in a draft champion league where you really, you know, have to get like more of the volume play. And so maybe you're not, playing as many like middle relief guys as you probably think you would, but in head to head, 
I think it's something you really got to dive into um, because you can just really control the ratios and just get, you know, stud arms on a per inning basis that are just going to be fantastic. Um, what I, what I find the most beneficial to me um, the last couple of years, I've just been running. Um, so like innings pitch per game starts per team. Um, and then um, I look at also wins, win percentage, because your holds will come mostly in, you know, uh, all in games that are wins. And so I'm looking at teams with good winning percentages, like Lucas mentioned, and um, teams who aren't throwing their starters deep, because then, you know, you can make that correlation that, okay, this, this team's going to have more bullpen action. And if they're good, you're going to have more chances for holds. So um, just even like, Looking at the last couple of years, three years back, you know, the Rays are, are last in innings pitch per game start. They're mm -hmm. um, in the top six in wins. And guess what? First and sold, uh, saved, um, first and holds by um, a good 30, 30, um, 30 holds. So the way that they run their organization and their pitching staff, you know, it's, you may not know which guy is going to be every week, but you know, you can target that team as a good, a good um, source of it, you know? So um, just kind of look at, you know, if it's a daily league or it's a weekly league, just kind of look like you guys mentioned, just look at some usage patterns and, you know, really try to gauge, um, you know, who might be riding in like, you know, hot or just you can forecast the matchups and say his team might be lefty dominant. Who knows? You could get really as deep as you want into it, but I feel like that's been most beneficial for me is the inning pitch per game starts winning, winning games. And, you know, that'll transfer into um, the, the ability to get holds. Makes total sense to me. Yeah. I just got to get like one of them crazy cool formulas for it. I got to get a formula guy on it. You know, I got it. Like I got it. Like, I just have it in there, but it's just, you know, that's something I really think it's uh, pretty critical to do. So um, when, when you're, when you're, when you're looking at speculating for some late round save targets, um, what, do, what do you guys like, like to get into there? Is there, is there anything you're looking for besides the obvious metrics besides, um, you know, team context? Is there anything else that maybe you kind of haven't mentioned yet that can just, you know, really want to try to look at when you're like staying in a draft and hold league where you can't make a fab. Is there any difference in how you might approach that late round? Yeah, for me, there is. I mean, I, I, I think one of the things that I like to do, and again, it's not, you know, a brilliant strategy by any means whatsoever, but I always like to keep the last couple of spots on my roster real fluid, just in case I, I catch something like what Lucas said, you know, somebody right. that's got an increase in usage or there's a different pattern. So um, last year, a guy like that for me was uh, Josh Stomont and Peter Fairbanks from Tampa, right? Like mm -hmm. those guys all of a sudden got thrust into the roles. They threw hard. Um, they got a lot of swings, swings and misses. And I thought these are guys that are going to be hit in higher leverage situations, uh, considering, you know, the teams that they're playing on. And, and, and then in Kansas City, uh, after they traded Rosenthal, you know, that opened up some opportunity for some of those guys. And I thought, those guys are better the bets than the things that I have at the bottom of my roster. And so I just turn those guys, you know, you keep somebody ride them for a while and then you get rid of them. A couple of years ago, same thing happened for me with San Diego, right? 
I got down to the end of it. I had two bucks left. I got Kirby Yates for two dollars. He won me the league. You know, nice. I mean, it, it was it was it was pure luck, dumb luck. I fell into it. But you know, sometimes I'd rather be lucky than good. And <laughs> that's one of those situations where it just it just kind of happens that way. You know, um, and I really do think it, it, it. Like Lucas said, if you pay attention to, I'm old school. I'm an old guy. I read box scores every day, and I look and see. I'm like, all right, I want to see. You know, after the guy came out in the fifth inning, who came in? Who came in and pitched the seventh and the eighth? Are they right. using, you know, is Milwaukee using Hader for those innings and then they're going to close with Williams or vice versa? You know, we don't know, right? Um, and so it's speculation at that point. But you know, I have no problem having either one of those guys because they're going to be pitching in high leverage situations and they're probably both going to get saves and they're going to be great with ratios, you know? So I love what you said, Mike, about the box score reading because I've been doing that since I was a little kid, like reading the Daily News in <laughs> in New York or, or the Post, and I feel like um, what it sets in in my brain at least is like frame of frame of references. I see little snapshots, and I remember, um, and I don't have to go and bring up a parent's uh, list and game logs because constantly like trying to index that in my head, like as I read the box scores, who's coming in, and like you said, it's just that's how you get to speculate, you know, you're seeing the usage patterns right there. And some people, like, like you said, you, me and you, like, we see that we can read that and it's comfortable. Yeah. As a way, you know, so yeah. that's, a, that's a great, that's a great, great tip. It's just find a way you feel comfortable absorbing that knowledge, you know? And for me, that's one of the things that's box score reading for sure. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but I can remember that Chris Devensky pitched in the eighth <laughs> inning and got a hold for the Astros the night before, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's <laughs> the, way, the way my brain works, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. That totally makes sense. So I want to talk about a couple of free agent closers out there and maybe, um, what kind of possible fits you see fit for them? Um, we'll talk about some guys you think you can probably step right into a closer job. Um, Alex Colome, you guys find any possible fits for him? Uh, for Colome, I've got uh, three fits. Um, one that I think would really make a lot of sense would be Miami. Mm -hmm. I know they got Anthony Bass today, but I could see him stepping right in there. I think he would fit the culture of the team very well, too. Um, San Diego, that's a common theme with some of the other guys we'll talk about, but I think Colomay would be beautiful in San Diego as well as Atlanta. Huh. Very interesting. Mike, I, I, you, I, you know, Colomay closed for my White Sox last year and the last two years. He was pretty awesome, even though he doesn't have swing and miss stuff. You know, he basically throws a cutter, and it's not like Mariano Rivera, unfortunately, but uh, he throws right. that one pitch and he was real effective for him. But, you know, I could see him, um, you know, I don't think Boston is completely sold on Matt Barnes. I, I, you know, there's some things there that I don't like about, you know, predicting where he's at. So I, Boston could be a fit for him, especially since they're kind of rebuilding and they could probably get away with not having to have a top tier closer at this point. And Arizona might be a fit too. You know, they're, they're, they're looking like they're going to go with Crichton, but he's really kind of unproven. He only had five saves last year, even though he did pitch well in the opportunity. So I could see Colin going to Boston or Arizona. Interesting. You guys got some interesting teams there. I, 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 um, I could see, uh, it's tough for me to see Boston, honestly, because I don't think they're going to spend, I could, even though he might not be a top tier closer per se, um, he, he's going to get top tier money. I think when it comes down to it, when I, I think like, um, in spring training, if you start adding sign and you know, teams are reporting and guys are throwing and closers are going down and relief guys are going down his value is just, I think going to go up as needed on demand. Um, I, I, 
I, I don't know. No, I'm not big on the Padres fit either because I just feel like I like a bunch of their like arms there um, that we'll get to when we talk about. I, I think what's crazy, I don't know what stands out to me is I see the twins who lost Romo in May possibly going out and grabbing him on at a you know at a at a decent value and um as a, you know as a possible most you know I'm sure they're gonna play to contend so. I think he stays in division and he lands on the twins and not has the role fully, but I think if he does land on the twins, he'll, he'll get some, you know, some shots with Rogers. Yeah. I wonder if he might end up on a team too, where he could, maybe he doesn't close and he comes in as a setup guy, you know, because he was a real effective setup guy before he was a really good closer too. So I wonder if a really good team might swoop in there and make him a, you know, Hey, we'll give you ten million dollars for the year to come in and set up in the eighth for our guy that's going to close in the ninth. You know, right? What about Brad Hand? You guys think about Brad Hand? Is he going to go Hand. somewhere to be the guy? Now, for Hand, I have uh, two spots that I could envision fitting in really well. One was kind of reported; it's relatively obvious, but the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. I think they could seriously use another left-hander in there. Uh, as well as the Houston Astros. Yeah. I think that that would be a, a seamless fit to add another high-caliber lefty there. Yeah, I, I heard a thing about the Mets, too, and that was pretty interesting. I mean, they, they would have an embarrassment of riches if they were able to get him into that bullpen because it's, it's shaping up. Uh, mm-hmm. I really thought the same thing with Houston, too, Lucas. Um, you know, he seemed like he'd be a really good fit there. He knows how to get guys out. Um, they could definitely use – Somebody there to maybe pair with Presley, depending on how they want to deploy him. God only knows what's going to happen. You know, Osuna's gone and a free agent. Maybe he lands somewhere too, but he looks like a Tommy John candidate coming up here pretty quick. Um, Hanging on by a thread. Absolutely. Literally. Nice, nice pun. (laughs) 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 Well, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see him on the Mets, and even even if he doesn't close, because I don't think he would on the Mets. I still, I'm I'm right. still a Diaz guy. I think his skills are just still elite. Is um, I think just keeping the trust in him, I think he'll he'll find that groove back. Um, I'm kind of looking at a team who's been all in that doesn't really have lefties, and that's the Blue Jays. Yeah, um, you know, I. I I just think that they're not going to really go with Ryan Barucki and, you know, Anthony Kay as being long and, you know, middle short relief guys. Like they're all in, it seems like, and maybe they bridge that. Um, maybe they don't go after a starter, but they'll just deepen the bullpen, you know, make the game shorter for the starters. So I don't know. It's um, I feel like I picked him recently in the battle of the podcast draft. I got him late. He went, you know, well past the 300s. And I'm, you know, at that point, I was like, even if I get eight, you know, six, eight saves, you know, in one of the, like a draft and hold when your guy who has prior, you know, prior experience, you know, 36, uh, 30 plus saves. Um, I believe in one, at least one year, right. Or maybe two. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, I'll take that stab and hopefully, um, I think I think to safeguard in the safeguard in the Yates pickup in case he's not right, mm-hmm. you know. So and have a guy with an experience as, as good as Romano and Dolis kind, you know, were last year. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think it hurts. Like I said, maybe if they don't go rotation and they go more pen wise. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. If you if you're serious about winning, all, all the teams that are serious about winning have right. five or they, six guys in their bullpen that'll just kill you. You know. Yeah. They fill every single need. 
you have to have it. Right. Right. Uh, I feel like with the Jays, that would that would seriously help their win percentage if they were to add a Brad Hand and right. kind of I know I know a lot of teams would theoretically like to do this, but only the Rays are bright enough to pull it off. But they've mm-hmm. got guys like Stripling, Roark, Ray. Yeah. These are not guys you're gonna set in there for six innings. I feel like if you could get really creative and and utilize multiple combinations, I feel like you would just be a little bit more effective using a kind of a, a pitching coordinator, kind of like from the Rays style. Right. A hundred percent. Totally uh, agree, Lucas. Great point. What about um I think there's one more mm, two, maybe two two or three more definite um closer types that can be like solidified closer roles probably most likely wherever they go. Um, Trevor Rosenthal. What do you think about him? I could see him uh, back in San Diego, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Again, another really team that's in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was going to say like, uh, just the same thing at the Jays, a team that's, like all in. So you're right. Maybe again, they cover all their bases. I still think they have like a lot of like nice young kids that they kind of um, already trust in Lena. I think they're going to depend a lot on them, but I mean, who knows? Like we're saying, maybe Munoz comes back into Tommy John is, isn't, you know, and it doesn't feel right. You know, maybe, maybe they need to go back into the pen, um, into the pen for him. Um, uh, Rosenthal, Rosenthal scare you guys. Very much so. <laughs> he terrifies yeah. me. He's like, but I think he has something that managers covet um, because he's he's gotten he's gotten the role a lot of times. So mm-hmm. and I know it's mostly been one manager, but still, um, <laughs> you know, like I don't know. I, I I he seems to have something like maybe it's just that mentality that people like like maybe he just has that you know I'll close the game out type of mentality because you know I think that is a thing with some you know the the human nature. Um, the human element, I mean, that we don't see in stats, you know, like maybe he just got that, you know, type of element to him in the clubhouse that guy's like, yeah, you know, he's the guy, he's the closer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Couldn't you see, couldn't you see a situation like if this goes into spring training where like somebody like Oakland sweeps in and gives him a one-year contract and then uses him as their closer, you know, I mean, as much as they're saying that they're going to be, it could be Deakman or Trevino or those types of guys. <laughs> You well, could just, it, this just reeks of an Oakland A's move waiting to happen to me. Well, yeah, because their move is like, all right, well, let's go for it. We'll get him on a good value. And if we're not in it, we'll trade him for a couple of, you know, a compensation pick and who knows, like, you know, they get exactly. crafty. Yeah, they get crafty. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. They did that so well. So many free agents, right? They come in. Why are they giving Marlon Bird this money? Or I forget who the guy was. Uh, the Rich Hill. Rich Hill. Rich Hill, yeah. they did that. Yeah, yeah, they they're crafty like that. Um, it's like, all right, well, come to our team and you know, produce, and then we'll ship you off when we're out of the race. <laughs> um, what about Mark Melanson? Do you guys expect him to land a close job? I think there's a distinct possibility. That was a long uh, fucking a long pause, pause, guys. <laughs> that was like either either you guys didn't know who wanted to talk first, or you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. A little bit of both there. I think Melanson, I've got I've got two fits for him. Um <clears throat> one team, I, I do think if he were to go to them, they could possibly a little be a little bit Tampa Bay Rays like. Okay. Um I could see him go into Kansas City where you could see four to five guys possibly notch five, six saves apiece. Give him one clean inning and get him out of there. Ninth inning and go from there. 
I mean, they did that when they won their World Series, right? And on the run, that was their, they had an unbelievable pen. They, you know, uh, a lot of teams talk about the Rays as being so, you know, um, into, you know, implementing it. But if you look back at the Royals, they really, they really established that as a firm way to go, you know, on a, on a, on a lower budget. Mm -hmm. Good. I like it. Uh, the Mike. other spot I could see oh, yeah, was uh, w was Atlanta. I think that there's a comfort level there with him. Absolutely. I think that he fit in quite well with the clubhouse. And Atlanta's the king of the one-year deal. So Absolutely. <laughs> That's a great point. I'm right there with you. I, I think the same thing. I, I, I think – I think the comfort level, and I think, like I said, as as we get closer to the spring, um, things start ironing out. Okay, we have the DH. You know, we'll sign Osuna. We'll sign um, Lanson. Who knows? Like the wheels, I think, will kick in motion once those things are are you know start settling down. And yeah, I think that's I think that's a good landing spot for him because of the comfort level. And he he you know he got the job done last year. And um, the the one other team I, I I wrote down the Braves and I wrote down like as a heavy favorite and then the one other team I'm thinking if they maybe if they decide that they're a little better than um, other teams are anticipating and they want to make a little run um, I wouldn't outside shot looking at the San Francisco Giants you're getting the same thing yeah I don't know why like you know I know they you know hey you know Ray is Aranta you know lose some weight and you could be our closer or you know Tyler <laughs> Rogers like he might you know I anticipate him getting a couple of matchups but um I see this as a possible sneaky contending team because if you kind of take a look at the contracts they paid out to their pitchers um it wasn't exorbitant but it was in the range of like hey you know we expect you guys to throw and I think they expect to be a little competitive, a little more competitive. And I think people anticipate it. And um, I think they got a sneaky offense, um, not, not, not great, but I think it's sneaky good to keep them in games. And, you know, again, we'll go again, shortening the game and, you know, um, maybe they just make that bullpen deeper and make Maranta and, um, you know, guys like Selman and got maybe uh, they just long guys and, um, I think he's the second second spot uh, for me. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I used to. Say, I said the same thing about San Francisco over over um, in summertime. Uh, that was one of the bullpens that made me absolutely stick to my stomach to write about. I, I just couldn't believe some of the stuff that they were trying to pull uh, in the in the summertime. And I think you know you're right. I think that they do have a sneaky offense. I think they've got some experienced guys there. They got some young guys like Dubon that I think are going to really. Uh, turn open some eyes this this year and turn some heads a little bit and I could totally see you know he's got he's got history there you know he's known he's got to land in the right situation right because the stuff is not outstanding and he's not a high k guy never has been but he gets people out and so he could be a good fit there for them uh, again on, on a one-year or two-year deal and if it doesn't work out they could always move him at the deadline and try to get something for him too you know um, a contending team might be looking at him then as a as a setup guy and not as a, as a closer, he's still effective. Right. Yeah. And they, and they did, they did the, one of the best moves. I feel like Mike was saying there was, you know, they will turn him in to assets if their mm. team's absolutely horrible at the deadline. I mean, obviously with Farhan, he's one of the brightest GMs out there. He did, you know, turn Zach Cozart's contract into Will Wilson by, you know, absorbing that. So that just shows you kind of the forward thinking nature of the front office. So even if, 
they're nowhere near the playoffs, they could easily turn them into a couple of double-A pitchers. Right. Absolutely. Uh, do you feel like you could be like a GM with all these like think like a way you can envision things happening? You guys play any like GM type things besides Dynasty? Like uh, I think it's called OOTP or like uh, any type of uh, sim games. Mike, did you I you know did you play any of that when you were younger? Because I grew up playing Stratomatic. Yeah, I played Stratomatic a lot when I was a kid, and right now I like I said before I I barely know what day it is or whether I'm coming <laughs> or going. So. The idea of doing anything like a sim league or anything like that. I'd love to say that I had time to do it, but I really I, don't, you know? I know, I know. I, I'd be like, it's like ultimate GM feeling, you know? I wish I had time to do that too. I don't really need another thing to ruin in my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Okay, let's see who else we got here. Um, I wanted to throw out one more guy, uh, Brandon Kinsler. Thoughts on Brandon Kinsler? You know, another guy who had a really nice kind of, you know, comeback story in Miami last year, you know, um, they uh, they declined his option. Right. And so he's he's looking for a gig. Um, you know, he has history with the Cubs. I don't think the Cubs are going to spend any money, though, from what it sounds like uh, from from where they're at. They could definitely use some bullpen help there. But, you know, I, I wonder, too, if Kinsler's another one of those guys that doesn't necessarily land a closing role, but it comes in as a as an eighth inning guy and then maybe gets opportunities if somebody gets uh, banged up or hurt, you know. Um, you know, I feel like you could see him in a situation like, uh, don't kill me for saying it, but, you know, maybe someplace like Detroit where, mm -hmm. you know, they've got Soto and they've got Garcia and maybe Buck Farmer. They don't really have – a go-to guy, like maybe he could be that guy for them for a while. How do you not laugh when you hear Buck Farmer? I, I mean, <laughs> it sounds I, like a made-up name, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It's just, it's, it, it's amazing. I just, I would love to get on like the show, like athletes with like just amazing names. Like, it's like that. a '70s porn star name, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's everything. I feel like it's universal for so many things. Uh, just a classic name, but that's an interesting, that's an interesting choice, Troy. I feel like I could see uh, the Seattle Mariners. They're, they're kind of like that dynasty team in your league where they have the absolutely loaded farm. They're ready to win, but they're not going to really do anything too major. So they just kind of want to bring some more adults into the room. Mm -hmm. I could see Kensler coming into there and just being slightly more competitive. I'm not going to say they're anything more than that, but I could see that. Got it. Yeah, because even, even Montero, who looks like he would be their closer right now, is not necessarily a proven commodity, right? So, I mean, they could open that up to competition too. They're not going to probably be terribly good this coming year. So maybe they just try to find that guy in that mix of people. I know. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's, uh, yeah, there's, there's so much to talk about with these closes. It's crazy. <laughs> so let's just go through each team real quick, just do a quick snapshot of what we think um, could be a best uh, target for – for saves, maybe hold, you know, hold targets. Um, you know, like we mentioned, those are kind of like more fluid, you know, um, weekly where you can, you know, you're playing a league where you can just stream them. But I think there's still some targets where, you know, they might get a volume. So um, we, how do you guys want to do this by alphabetical order or by division? How do you guys like to uh, separate teams? Alphabetical. alphabetical is good for me. Yeah. Okay, alphabetical. perfect. That's fine. Total alphabetical or alphabetical from each league? 
uh, total alphabetical works let's for see, me. Let's see. Let's see if Rob can put all the teams in alphabetical order first. God, that sounds pretty intimidating. <laughs> I was just gonna do Rock to Esau Nathan. Uh, let's see. Okay, we'll just. Uh, all right. So I'm just. Yeah, let's go with Arizona first. Arizona Diamondbacks. Are you going first? First part of the name. Or... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the Diamondbacks. All right. So what do you guys see here with the Arizona Diamondbacks? What do you got as prime source of saves and best best um, sold um, guy? Uh, so for the Diamondbacks, I haven't quite gone all in or anything, but I do think there's a good chance that they do let uh, Stefan or Steven Crichton roll mm-hmm. with the egg just because – he showed for a very limited stretch that he was able to get the job done. And the other thing I like about him where he's being drafted around uh, 244 over the last 30 days in draft champions is that this is a team that had a very reasonable contract with Starling Marte and said, Nope, we don't want him anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got Caleb Smith, but to me that tells me they're not paying any money to anybody really big. So I could see them just rolling with Crichton to save costs. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think another guy there that you might be interested in too is Ginkle, Kevin Ginkle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say that we're interested in him, but he might be somebody there that you could have some interest in if you're looking for uh, for holds. I think I think Crichton will be the guy to start the season, and and Ginkle might get opportunity as well there. Yeah, I think I think Crichton looks like he's got a you know a path to it right now. But the funny thing is, like you know, I don't know. It's it's crazy. Ginkle was a lot of, it was a lot of helium on him last year, right? He had 16 bad innings, like really 16. And it's all of a sudden, I think like a forgotten guy. I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have tremendous high hopes for him. I'm just thinking like in those 16 innings, maybe it kind of gets ironed out over a full season and he's not as bad. And maybe we consider him a little more than maybe we are now. So, Although I do think, you know, Crichton looks like the guy right now, um, you know, just one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised where if, if Ginkle's um, skills popped out like they did two years ago, where he can, you know, possibly get back into the picture. Absolutely. You know, the thing I think is interesting, too, is if you look at his stat cast stuff, Ginkle actually threw harder last year. He was like two miles an hour faster than what he'd been in the past. So his velocity was better, but it didn't lead to better results. He got hit harder. And so... Um, I agree with you. I mean, I think if he goes back to what he did in 2019, you know, he could be an effective guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's like I said, when I just look at 16, you know, bad innings and and it's just such a quick change, you know, to us, it probably looks like such a lock, you know, but maybe, you know, to the team, it's like, all right, well, he can correct that. He'll be fine. You know, who knows? Um, But this is what's the best about speculating. Um, (laughs) teams right so okay so uh, we'll knock that one out real quick i think the next alphabetical will be atlanta is that right i think so all right let's go to atlanta um obviously i think we got into a little bit with them with talking about if melanson would maybe make his way back there right now it looks like chris martin i think um according to uh jeff didn't mind a news he was saying how the braves are pretty much uh, looking to do um, a 50-50 with obviously, you know, Martin being a righty may get more of the chances. Um, I I personally still like what 
Will Smith brings to the table. You know, he he was a 14 and another 34 save guy. He got the money to be the save guy. So he's still on like heavily on my on my radar. And I think he's kind of falling more recently um, in draft that I've noticed ever since like that kind of news came out. But I to me, I went the other way where I think that just the fact that they are considering him as part of the committee gives me a little more hope that maybe um he actually they actually lean on him with that you know that closer history that he has that Chris Martin never really had that but and he shows that he could be but um you know I don't know what do you guys think about that Atlanta's got options right I mean they got the, options yes yeah. Smith and Martin I think you hit the nail right on the head but you know, they got guys like A.J. Minter that are there that um, could get some opportunities and definitely will get opportunities for holds. Matzik, um, he looked man. really good. He looked really good last year. Um, Tyler it, Matzik came back into the picture. Right? Luke Jackson, you know, still was only a year removed from, you know, uh, a lot of innings thrown, a lot of strikeouts. So, like you said, yeah, it's just there's a ton of options there. Well, and Shane Green's floating around, too. I mean, he's a free agent, but it wouldn't surprise me if he went back there either, you know. Right, yeah, like like we said with Mark Alanton, maybe it's the comfort thing. Maybe they go back on a comfort, you know, um, you know, friendly team deal. Who knows? You know, um, it's they have so many good arms, and yet they may still add more. So it's definitely it's definitely pretty pretty up there. Um, Luke, what do you think about that? Um, I, I like what you said there about a lot of guys uh, hitting up Chris Martin a little bit earlier. Um, you, of course, anytime something like that comes out in the mining the news, you know, your NFBC types are going to read that and apply it. <laughs> That's so, for sure. you know, w- w- with Martin, one of the reasons, although he's cheaper, he's only had really two years of goodness while, uh, Will Smith's had about five years of really, really good dominant pitching, watching him in the playoffs. There's a reason this guy's filthy with that huge breaking ball. So the only caution I will say is that this team has been noted to do the one-year deal. They've got Austin Riley at third base. They've got Drew Waters and Pass ready to fill in in the outfield. They could use that one-year money and bring in one of those relievers. That's the only concerns. Two years of goodness. That's, that's, I feel like that's a T-shirt. That's a really nice way to put it. I feel like, I feel like that's a – ready? I have it. I have it. You did a T-shirt, and it's, it's like two years of, of stats, of six stat, like a box stat – and that's that T-shirt. It says two years of goodness. And you put someone, some crazy, wild, a lever spec on. Yeah, we got it. Who needs Roto Wear? We got it right here. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, Braves. The Braves are going to be very interesting. I think there's one of the teams, because like, like we're saying, successful teams, you know, that are going to be in it. So that's going to be one of the most headline, you know, focused on bullpens as we lead up to the, uh, to opening day we'll move on to the baltimore orioles this one is pretty wild um you know i feel like it's uh it's crazy like see valdez came in last year at the end of the year and i right now in like a draft and hold i'm kind of looking at him in those deep rounds as a guy maybe who can start off like if if I still like Harvey and I think he's actually going to be a guy I try to grab a couple of shares of because um, of how crazy, you know, volatile the position is right now um, and his upside, even though he hasn't really pitched much. But Valen, I think, is a sneaky guy in terms of getting him for maybe 
if Harvey struggled out of the gate and he gets a couple of saves off the bat and in one of those where you can't pick up a guy, I think, you know, just trying to tack on some saves. If you just get the job for a couple of weeks, he might help you. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I watched a couple of videos on him in playing in the Mexican league. And have you guys seen that crazy curveball he throws? Yeah. Man, it's like a wiffle ball pitch. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So what do you guys feel about this um, Baltimore Oriole team? Obviously, it's a very low-wind team, so um, opportunities might not be you know plentiful, but how do you feel about how this might shake out? Honestly, with Harvey, uh, he's a, he's fairly affordable. You know, ADP around 375. Um, Great point, Lucas. Great point. So I, I wouldn't mind doing it once or twice, but given his health track record, it's, it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do feel a lot more comfortable, like around 40 to 45. If Valdez is there, let's just take the shot and see what happens. Totally. Good. Great, great point about his ADP right now, because I think like the, the kind of route I take in uh, amassing later spec arms, that is attractive to me because mm-hmm. if that hits, um, again, you know, whatever you get 10 saves, you get 12 saves at that, you know, at that price, even if you get six, but with the upside of possibly being a guy all year, I think it's a great point, Lucas, like that, that ADP range is phenomenal. It can yeah. really go up if we get some good videos of him on Twitter with the velocity. Oof. Yeah. Draft them now. Right. This is the point. Like yep. this is, this is one of those things, right? If you're into a guy and you see like, all right, this helium might go up, get into a couple leagues and grab him now. <laughs> Another guy that I like in Baltimore, I mean, I think it's Harvey's job to lose. Valdez, you know, he's 35, change-up guy, might not fit the profile of somebody that you want closing in the American yeah. League East with the heavy, <laughs> like a 16-inch softball teams hitting in the, in the AL East. Uh, a guy that I like there, too, to speculate on late is Dylan Tate, who is, uh, you know, he was a, a first-round draft pick about five, six years ago, I think, by Texas. Um, and he, he threw some innings last year. He had, uh, he had 14 strikeouts and in 16 innings, um, low whip, um, not a huge sample size, but showed some promise. And uh, another young guy that maybe they might try to develop to kind of go along with, you know, Harvey, who's a ticking time bomb, right? So, um, you know, he, he's a guy that you might want to speculate late on. You might be able to get some value on. Fourth, number four overall in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. This is, this is, this is a, you know, a, a, a top pedigree arm. Um, and yeah, very good, very good speculator right there. I like the way he looked at that is this is a guy who had maybe, you know, hasn't put it together, but still has that possibility that, you know, um, that he can, you know, especially like we mentioned about the Orioles, you know, developing their pitches a little better. It seemed like last year. So maybe they make the changes. Maybe he reaped the benefit to that. All right, do are we done with the Orioles? Moving on. Yes, let's do it. All right. Let's see. Almost my spot now. Damn, what's the next team alphabetically? Boston. Boston. Bam. Um, I told you I wasn't too far off with you not knowing the alphabet. We're only in like Team Four. Right. <laughs> like I totally got thrown off my shit. <laughs> All right, Boston. I think we hit on them a little bit with the Matt uh, when we talk about Matt Barnes. But um, what do you see here as a team that you think? That's a question first. Do you think the the Red Sox are gonna maybe be more towards like, hey, let's 
just try to win some games or like we think they're we think their level of we're going in or out on this year is you think they're gonna try to get a little like a rebuild going or like a one year like a maybe a quicker rebuild which which way you think they're leaning honestly i i feel like even though on twitter they've been this close on free agents numerous times i'm fairly skeptical of that and i think that they'll use the pandemic and the lack of fans potentially in the stands possibly to start out the year i think they'll use that to tank out again one more year although they they could be on the cusp of signing a few useful pieces and being right there in the mix of 500 so it could truly go either way and I'm leaning probably they'll stink again, but it's tough to say. Yeah. I don't care for their pitching so far. And any team that's talking about, um, you know, Ben and playing center field, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Lucas is shaking. We might need to get him a medical check here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just don't, I don't think that they're going to be super competitive this year. And I don't see them going out and spending a premium on a closer unless it was somebody like we said before, like a Colome that they might get for five or $6 million after market. And then maybe could move at the deadline if they're not competitive. You know, I, I see it as Barnes's job to lose. Although I don't think I'll own Barnes anywhere. I just, he's the ratios scare me. And I, I don't know that he's going to get enough opportunities to make it work. Uh, Michael Simeone always calls it painful saves. You know, he's a pain, he's a painful save guy to me. Um, the one guy that I do like there. Um, that's kind of under the radar. Well, maybe not under the radar to guys like you, but uh, Darwin's and Hernandez had a really nice year for them last year, quietly under the radar. Um, you know, he, he didn't get any saves or anything, but he, uh, he had 13 strikeouts and eight innings pitched and a, and a ERA of two one six. His whip was shit, but um, you know, there's a guy that might get some opportunity too. That feels like they've been waiting on him forever, but he's only 24. So if they're if they're crappy, he might get an opportunity. It might be somebody to watch and kind of tuck away for later. There's another T-shirt. Whip with shit. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just banging it out, and I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a messy situation there. I don't know what this team is doing, but I feel like this might be a uh, one of those Brandon Workman type situations where, um, you know, he's going to be a free agent next year, Matt Barnes. And what they did with Workman was, you know, they got him some looks as some saves and shipped them off and Burns became the guy. So I think Burns is going to be the guy. I think they're going to want him to be the guy. So, you know, I think maybe you can, you, even though they're painful saves, I think you can, you know, again, you're playing in a roto league. I think you can target the saves and when it gets traded, you know, move on. You know, if you don't spend too much of a high capital on him, I think he's a guy you can use for at least half the year as being the only, the only option. And then um, the team, I think was going to do the same thing I like did with Workman. And then the key then would be to like, we're saying like, who, who's going to be the next guy? Is it a guy like Dar, Dar Winson? Fantastic name. Hey. Lucas, do you have anything else to say about these Vet Sox? Even though uh, Matt Barnes was very helpful to you, <laughs> it's, it's a tough team. It's a tough team. Um, you know, it, I, I always like to look for every possible angle I can, you know, to extract value, but this is a team I think I'm going to stay away from. Gotcha. All right. So let's move on to the Chicago Cubs. Um Oh man, <laughs> what do you guys think about that's, Mr. Kimbrel? That's what they're saying there too. Oh this man, 
He still got something left in him, Mr. Kimbrough. Is this is this another sell situation? If the, the team is a rebuilding, maybe they use him. He finds his 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 quote unquote. I'm using air quotes. Uh, um, Todd Zola got me doing that. He he was on the other night and he repeatedly did things and explained to the audience what he was doing with his hands. I thought that was cool. Like so, I want to try doing that now. So, um, but anyway, maybe they go that same route where they're they're like, okay, you know, maybe he can capture that lightning in a bottle you got a team who's going for it who can absorb his contract too and you know maybe i don't know i i he, he's so tough because i still remember a good kimball you know it's still mm-hmm. burned in me um so i don't know you think he guys you think he has a chance to um be a good pitcher again i do i'm yes. buying kimball up whenever i can after pick 200 i'm all over it and even beforehand, I'm considering it if I if he's obviously works better as an RP two, but I mean I know that he did really start to fall apart more in the 2018 playoffs with Boston before he went to the Cubs, uh, but I mean before that this was one of the most dominant relievers in the game. The velocity, I still think he can find it. He's not ancient. The guy's only 32 years old, and the Cubs are financially motivated to keep him in the job since they still will owe him money for a couple more years. So that's a guy that. I have no problems going in on. I like that. Good take. If you um, if if he doesn't by any chance, who who do you like to back him up, Lucas? Like who you think the next man up there? Tough team. Like, uh, it's 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 a tough team. Yeah, you I, got the, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do like Rowan Wick some, mm-hmm. but honestly. I, I don't like him enough to draft just because I don't have a ton of confidence and I have a lot of other guys that I'd rather prioritize at the very end of my draft and holds. Right. Totally agree with Lucas's assessment of the situation. I would never take Kimbrell as my number one closer, but as a number two with some upside, maybe coming back to what he was, he's still young enough that he can recapture it. And quite honestly, when you look at his data, you know, the, the velocity is still there. The curveball is still there. Uh, can he harness it? Is he going to be able to control it? That's a whole other, um, you know, situation. But the Cubs really don't have um, much choice in the matter. They they gave this guy forty some million dollars uh, two years ago inexplicably, and I think that um, <laughs> I, I I thought it was I said it was garbage at the time, and I stand by that. I don't I don't it didn't make any sense to me, but um, I do think that he could recover it and give you and give you value. And I think a lot of people are out on him, and they shouldn't be. Yeah, one other thing I want to add in on Kimbrel. A lot of people know this already, but um, after his first uh, four appearances, he was absolutely dominant. Otherwise, um, 12 innings from August 14th to September 26th, he had a 142 ERA, 18.5K per nine with a .87 whip. And if you think about his first set of the Cubs, I mean, I had him in fantasy that year. I had nothing until the middle of the summer when he finally signed. So you factor in the very abnormal start to the season with a very strange ramp up. It could have led to one bad year. So I'm willing to write that off, given the fact he comes with a significant discount as a closer. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's, there's so many possible um, avenues to take advantage of. Um, I think with this team and one route that I'm going to go with, and are you guys ready to write this one down? This is, this is going to be, one of my secret keepers of the year. Like this is a late, late round draft and hold specialist. Um, his name is Dwayne Underwood Jr. Yes. Um, so 
um, he 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 started to get a little more of uh, luck at the end of the season last year. And what impressed me about him was that his 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 K to walk was um, I think thirty percent K rate and six percent walk rate. Um, his in zone stuff was pretty filthy. Um, uh, the surface stats wasn't pretty at all. Um, he got hit hard when he came, when he started to throw, but then if you kind of take a look at what he was able to do, like I looked at his rolling graphs and he really, um, you know, kind of settled in and threw some gas at the end of the year. And I think, um, a couple, like those couple things popped out for me, um, the K rate and then, like we mentioned before on Alex Chamberlain's leaderboard, he popped up on whiffs per swing. He popped up on CSW and now CSW is a little, little different for relievers, but he still, he came across on a couple of filters I ran and I was like, Whoa, you know, is, is this the guy? Um, I don't know. He's, he, he, his skills were pretty, they, they, they popped on me when I really did a dive on him. So again, I think these are the teams where like, I think where you can find your gems a lot, or just like where you have to go deep into teams, you know, where the teams where you're feeling like, wow, like what's going to happen here. And then that's where you kind of like, just land, you know, just land on a guy, just do some deep dives. Like I, like I said, I, I did a couple of filters on the, on the pitch leader board and he was like continuously popping up. And I said, wow, like, what's going on with this guy. And then I was looking at his rolling graphs, you know, again, it's that rabbit hole of analysis that we do. Um, and I think this is, I, I think is going to be a possibility here. I agree with you. I, I see the Cubs a lot, you know, living in Chicago, we see Duran a lot and he finished the year pretty strongly for them. As I recall, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I think he did a pretty good job in September and kind of settled into a, you know, a middle relief role there, which could lead to him getting a, an enhanced role in 2021. Yeah. I think he, he went like, um, oh, let's see. He had a stretch from the end of August to the end of September, he had about a nine game stretch where his K rate was, um, let's see, uh, 10.5 K per nine, um, one point, uh, 2.24 X uh, you know, he, you know, he, he, he was, he was liked out in that little run. So, um, Maybe, like I said, maybe he found that stretch. Maybe he started to understand how to pitch a little more at this level. And, you know, who knows? When you're swinging away in, like, round 47, 48, 49, <laughs> 50, you know, I think you can go worse places with a guy who's showing this type of profile. Dwayne Underwood, that sounds like the kind of guy, Rob, you and I are going to be fighting over in round eight of the real fake dynasty sub draft. <laughs> Oh uh, shit! Oh Toby and uh, Dylan and uh, <laughs> all those guys don't listen to this. But I think he's also maybe—is he part of the uh, Buck Farmer fan club? Where it's just like one of those solid names. Now that's the T-shirt we gotta have. <laughs> the Buck Farmer fan club. Yeah, Buck Farmer and Dwayne Underwood Jr. I think we got some really <laughs> solid names going on here. Oh man, so yeah. Uh, Enough of my, how much time did I spend on Dwayne Underwood Jr.? I probably wasn't uh, well received by many people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, Chicago White Sox. This is this. Oh, is, please pick me. Please pick me. This is an easy one, right? They they got their guy. Um, if he isn't the guy, if he happens to go down, who are you looking at here? Because I don't think it's Bummer either. He got rocked at the end of the year. He said some things that popped out to me that I don't know. His 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 exit velo and his like barrels allowed was just his blast percentage. I don't know. He just seems like. Not a guy I think I want to go to at the end of the games. Um, so who do you think? Bummer was nursing a in a forearm injury there, uh, it, part of the part of the season. So all right, even more reason I don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I, I'm a diehard White Sox fan, and signing Hendricks to me was uh, like a dream come true in a lot of ways, right? So they got arguably the best closer in the game. Uh, you know, top three probably for sure. Um, I, I think if, if he should falter or if, uh, if he gets hurt, um, they, they, they for once have a number of options. Um, they've got a couple of hard throwers in Cody Hoyer and Matt Foster, who had good mm-hmm. season for them. But the guy to really watch is Garrett Crochet. Uh, I don't, I, I, a lot of people think he's going to go into the rotation eventually. I don't see it this year, but that dude is an unbelievable arm. I mean, it was like the – the gods blessed him with a thunderbolt, like they say in Bull Durham, right? I mean, um, I think he led the league last year. It was either him or Diaz, I think, who led in pitches that were over 100 miles an hour. Um, and he's and he's got he's pretty good. I mean, he, he he came in in a really tough spot and pitched really well. He though too at the end of the year exited the playoff game against Oakland uh, with a forearm issue too. Although they're saying he's good to go, you know, I, I, I he's phenomenal. I like him as a possible, you know, uh, a guy who comes in and maybe Hendricks worked two or three prior days and he pitches two solid innings and then leave him to close it out. Like, you know, um, you know, a two or three inning close. Uh, so he's definitely got some, some, some electric ability. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that's going to happen there too, is I think with LaRusa being the manager, I think he's going to more strictly define roles. Ricky Renneria was maybe the worst bullpen manager I've ever seen in a major league uniform. I mean, he was terrible. Um, Always the timing was terrible. He never, guys didn't have assigned roles. They were confused. Um, I I think that's going to be a much more streamlined process with La Russa. Uh, And so there's a bunch of guys there that got, you know, can give you some high K's, low ratios, and, and probably a bunch of holds too. Lucas, what do you got? Um, I, I, a lot of great points there. Um, it'll be really interesting to see whether they go ahead and they take Crochet's value and just plug him back into the rotation right away, considering the fact that they're on the cusp of winning the division. I, I wouldn't blame them for doing that, even though they could extract more value by using him as a starter down the road. Um, but mm-hmm. honestly, as far as if Hendricks were to go down, um, I'm avoiding this bullpen, even though they have a lot of talent. They're in fact one of the top uh, five projected bullpens uh, based on uh, team war. So they're very good. But the problem is, is that there's too many guys that could step into that role. And I don't know which dart to put mine on. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, but most likely we're just looking at Hendrick. Just, you know, I mean, and Mike definitely hoping that he is uh, the guy. And Mike, uh, let me ask you this. Is he the number one closer on your board overall? No. Oh, all right. All right. Who do you got at number one? I still go with Hater. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. Pretty, pretty. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a sexy pick anymore, right? But I mean, Hater, Hater is still, you know, the, the stuff is there, right? I mean, he, he ended the year kind of badly, but Jesus, I mean. You take out those two appearances, one with yep. one, one, uh, one in a pitch, four and runs, and one appearance at four walks. You take those two out, and it was like a one, a one, two, and a point five whip. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm still in. <laughs> I'm still in. Absolutely. I'm so smart, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Next team. This this team is probably the one that's um, a heated battle right now, and that's the Cincinnati Reds, and they have lefty Amir Garrett and. Um, Maybe Lucas Sims or maybe even TJ Anton if he doesn't end up in the in the starting rotation. What are you guys looking at here? I feel as if this is potential for one of those timeshare situations. Uh, I absolutely love what Lucas Sims did with the spin rate and just watching him in the playoffs just bulldoze those Atlanta Braves wow, really impressed was- me. Absolutely, I know that that yeah, that game he 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 was sick. Absolutely, yeah, it was uh, it was stunning just sitting there watching him and uh, getting kind of excited, hoping that he would be under the radar. Of course, that didn't happen, but uh, yeah, him and Garrett. Um, as long as the the price is is relatively reasonable, um, I don't know if we'll ever get any clarity. I think it just could be one of those things where either if they they pick a guy or if they go one by one, I could see them just keeping it close to the vest and just using it once the season starts, not announcing it per se. See, this is where my old guy tendencies really kind of come up, right? Is that I look at, I look at what I'm hearing and I, and I, I listen to the podcast and, you know, Simeon had uh, Michael Lorenzen on and they were talking about, you know, he's going to go to the rotation and it sounds like Antone's going to get a, ch- a chance to go to the rotation who are intriguing guys. But here's what my gut tells me, and I could be totally wrong on this one. I think they use Garrett as a multi-inning weapon. And I think Sims closes. That's my hunch. I, I drafted Sims in, a, in a, a, a reliever league that I was in last year. And he was really, really lights out. I mean, there's a lot of red on his stat cast page. And again, here's another guy with a high pedigree, right? I mean, seems like he's been around forever. He's 26. It's a number one pick you know, by Atlanta, who's pretty famous for picking good pitchers, uh, last I checked. So, you know, I think that he's going to get first crack at it. That's my guess. Garrett is lights out, but I could see them using him as like a hater weapon, seventh and eighth inning kind of guy, and and then bring Sims in the close. That's that just to- my gut. No, that totally makes sense because I I think they want to match him up more with lefties and allow him to to, to you know to swing into that role. And um, yeah, I, I think even though he has come out and definitely you know said he that he wants it, and which is a great attitude to have. It I just I'm a little scared by his home run. Um, proneness to home runs to Amir Garrett. He still he still has that in him, and I, I agree with the Sims and the pedigree. And um, just one more thing, Mike. You said you said reliever league. Is that a league of all relievers? Yeah, Simeon put one together last year where we did. They call it the uh, the Shart League. Oh, I did the Shart, but it was all starters. Oh, you did one with relievers. You did one with pure relievers, and uh, it was really interesting. It was fun. I lost. And on I, the last I took Sims as a, a like a second, I, maybe my last round uh, pick, just as a dart throw, and he was actually really good. I don't know if you guys, if you guys uh, looked at his stuff in depth, but I did kind of preparing for tonight. He had a forty six point eight percent whiff percentage on his curveball last year. I mean, wow. staggering, you know. Right. Granted, small sample size, but 
I, I certainly agree with you there, Mike. I, I do think that they're going to utilize Garrett in a fireman role whenever it makes sense. But I still think that in a Roto League, I think he's got the chance to crack double-digit saves yes. with all the strikeouts he racks up. So I think both of these guys, whenever they're in your lineup, you're going to like it at the end of the year. It's a great point. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I guess I'm in on the Reds, and here we go to the Cleveland Indians, another very interesting bullpen to me, at least, because I don't think James Karinczak is the guy. So talk to me about James mm-hmm. Karinczak and the Cleveland Indians. Well, there's a lot of people in the industry who seem to think this guy is a top 10 closer, right? Um, and the stuff is legitimate, as we saw last year. Yeah, Brad, Brad Hand got the save opportunities and Karinczak didn't unseat him. Um, I think it, it, conventional wisdom says it's Karinczak, but there's also a couple other interesting guys there too. Uh, uh, Whitgren, who uh, some people really, really like. Um, and, and I see him more as a holds guy, but the one that everybody's forgetting is Emmanuel Classe, uh, who they gave up a lot of capital for to get from um, Texas. And, uh, you know, he's, he was suspended last year, obviously, for the uh, PED stuff, I believe it was. But uh, he's, a, he's kind of sleeping out there a little bit, too. So there could be a situation there, too, where, you know, if Karinczak isn't good right away, Class A gets that opportunity. I think that they'll keep Whitgren in the role that he's in. I don't know if he'll close or not. But what do you think, Lucas? I'm not sure what to think about this one. Yeah, this is a definitely challenging one. I feel like when you get a chance to actually watch uh, James Karinczak, he definitely has that Max Scherzer energy and vibe to him. Obviously the numbers are are beyond eye popping. I do wonder with this really cheap team, if they do throw somebody else in there to keep this guy's cost down over the balance of his career with the Mm. arbitration. Um, But at the same time, you know, Terry Francona is old school and just likes to just have one guy be assigned the role. So, while I would say the most likely outcome is Karinczak is the closer, I, I think that the cost inside the top 100 is is a little too rich for me until there's a legitimate announcement that he's the guy. And I do like Class A quite a bit after round 35, but the guy that I've been hammering is uh, Whitgren after like round 43, 46 kind of range. And just, you know, if he's the guy, it's absolutely free because those picks usually don't work out. And if not, whatever. Like He's it. been very effective the last couple of years, Wickren. Uh, he could definitely get an opportunity. This is great because this is a team where we're throwing out three separate guys. We got Class A, we got Wickren, and I'm going to throw another guy into the mix, Phil Matan. Um, mm-hmm. Another guy that popped out to me when I was, again, when I got into my first DC was right after Halloween. Um, and it was early. And like I said, I, I popped two relievers first. I did a deep dive. Who's going to be free agents? Who was, who, who performed, you know, pretty well in the last couple of months. And just trying to see if anything popped out to me. And this guy, again, just one of those things with a couple of things just really blew my mind when I dove into him. Um, the K, the K, um, the K to walk rate was 27%. Um, zone contact was 74%. Um, crazy high Babbitt at 415. Um, even even his strand rate was at 60%. So even that has a chance to get even better. If you look at his uh, his 
his ERA was 4.57 with a 134 whip, but his FIP and XFIP was 2.22 and 3.05. Mm-hmm. And just another guy who really popped out on the leaderboard for me in the whiffs per swing, in the CFW, um, stuff like that, what I'm looking for on a per, like a per swing basis for a reliever. And so I talked to my um, Rotosaurus boys early in, in during that draft and they were like, Matan's got no chance. And I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, but I still went with my gut. You know, and obviously they, 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 they're, they're minding that Indian, you know, that Indian news, well, the spiders or whatever, the guardians, but you know, they're, they're into their team and um, I definitely trust their analysis, but I was, you know, again, this is another thing where who knows smart sample or not, but he just really showed a ton of good, stuff to me mm-hmm. um first pitch strike everything everything was really crazy except for like i said you know he had some pretty um bad luck so he's a guy i'm keeping an eye on again late late l- later round in a dc 45 to 50 um range maybe even even like i've I reached for him a little earlier than that you know in in one league um i think it was that first league where like you know you know when you find just like a guy and you just like this is the guy, you know, and he's, he's just like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get my guy. I think this guy's going to, you know, and I don't think Harinchak is the closer. I I firmly believe that they're going to use him um, to set up. I think they're going to want him again to face the high leverage roles and bounce around. And maybe he's another guy. They don't try to let establish his worth, you know, um, the save opportunities, but I don't know. Um, again, three, three, three different guys on one team. So the listeners are getting some, some, some quality, uh, state, uh, safe specs here from us tonight. I have to say that. What do you guys think? A lot of, uh, a lot of AL only end game guys. That's for sure. (laughs) It's like we're throwing a giant bowl of spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks right now. You know, it all matters though. It all matters. Nothing is trivial. Um, we'll move on to the Colorado Rockies. Um, Daniel Bard, awesome comeback story. Um, you know, a, again, the guy who came in surprised, I think, a lot of people. I think he helped a lot of people last year accumulate some saves in the short season that might have helped them win their league. Um, not a ton of options behind him, in my opinion. Maybe given given gives him a run at some point, but um, he looks to be pretty solidified here. What do you guys say? Me you personally, agree. you guys I, don't agree. <laughs> you know, I think that Bard himself does have some really intriguing skills and showed excellent velocity. Avoiding course makes your release unless it's cheap for Fab during the season. That'll be the only uh, time I would go for it. I think uh, last year, uh, the one that I for who was okay uh, momentarily was. Uh, uh, Estevez. So outside of mm-hmm. that, I just I just avoid cores like the plague. <laughs> yeah, it, it it seems to me like they really they they kind of hit lightning in a bottle with Bard, but I, he's going to be a hard one to count on. Seems like they would like Obro to take that role, but another guy that's kind of flying under the radar. I had Carlos Estevez last year too for a while, and he did okay, and then he kind of imploded. But another guy that's kind of interesting there um, maybe is Tyler Kinley, um, who. Uh, pitched pretty well in certain places for them last year. If you look at his stat cast data, it's red all over. And I, you know, those are good things to see despite the 5.32 ERA, 
the whip was low. He had 26 strikeouts in 23 and two thirds innings. So he's a guy that, you know, uh, they could use there. Um, he is 29. So I don't know, you know, much more about it than that, but, uh, they they could have problems there if they don't um, if they don't bring anybody in. Obro's coming off a major surgery, and uh, uh, you know Bard is you know you hate to say it, but he might be living on borrowed time, right? And he came back and was great last year, but you know that arm could be a ticking time bomb too. At age thirty five, it's a tough sell. Absolutely, I, I, you know, definitely things to um, be a little cautious of, for sure. You know, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Interesting situation he fell into. Is um, the Rockies? I think have I don't know. They seem to be always uh, um, an organization that you know throws the one guy in there. As, as you know, if they feel they're the guy, they ran with Wade Davis for way longer than they should have. So who knows? Who know? Who knows what um, what ends happening with him? But um, let's move on to the Bart is, uh, again, again, Lucas. Bart, Bart- yeah, Bart is definitely old enough for the Rockies' liking, so that's the one thing he's got going for him. <laughs> Good one. That's true. Absolutely. Totally right about that. That's um, here we go. We're talk- getting into Buck Farmer himself, the Detroit Tigers. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a ton of options. But Garcia ended up being the guy. Um, I still think that Joe Jimenez is the guy. Uh, eventually and maybe even to start off they they ease him back into trying to be the guy because um i feel like they did they you know they've been they've invested a little bit in him they invested that like their time in him to develop into the closer and i don't really know if they walk away from that so quickly um and you know he got off to a rough start but um, in the last month or so, um, in the last four weeks, he had one big blow up, but he, he definitely, he definitely got better across the end of the season, um, all across the board underneath the hood, at least. And I don't know, I, I just feel like they came so far with him and that I think, I think you could turn away with, with someone who's like, if someone was so much better than him, and that's what grabs me as, you know, Garcia or Cisnero not being so much remarkably better than him skill wise, mm-hmm. um, that they don't try to give him another opportunity. So uh, that's the way I feel about that, even though Buck Farmer is the guy. So what do you guys <laughs> think about the Tigers? <laughs> another one that, I'm avoiding unless it's the one of the cheapest players in in the pen, which every one of these guys is absolutely dirt cheap. Um, but I like Soto based on the strikeout ability that he has, and I've never really been a huge Joe Jimenez guy. But I mean, this is a prime opportunity to buy ADP at five fifty three, costs mm-hmm. you absolutely next to nothing. So if you want to grab Soto uh, for some decent strikeout skills and, and pair him up with Jimenez, because like you said, Rob, he's got uh, organiz- the organization has believed in him for a while and wanted him, most importantly, to, to take the role. I think you can grab those two guys, spend next to nothing, and see what happens. Great way to put it. You summed up my rambling in one quick sentence. They want to believe in him. Like, they, you know, like, hey, we want you to be the, like, we want you to succeed. Like, please, please do it. Um, I feel like that's, that's him in, in a nutshell. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think, um, 
Detroit's kind of a barren wasteland right now of, of what they're trying to do. I, I don't think they're going to be very good next year. I don't think anybody thinks they're going to be very good next year. They've got an opportunity to maybe sort through some of these guys. And in 2020, writing the closing remarks, it was a nightmare, right? Because one week it was Cisnero, one week it was Soto, one week it was Farmer, one week it was Jimenez. Then it was back to Soto. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, I think I like Soto the best, but I agree with what you guys are saying. I think that they really want Jimenez to take that role and kind of run with it. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but they have the opportunity to try to figure it out. Uh, I don't see myself having um, many shares of any of these types of guys just because of the uncertainty. Um, maybe waiver wire pickups, maybe fab, but uh, probably not guys that I'm drafting unless it's, unless maybe Soto late um, in a draft. That would be the only thing I would think I would do. Right, and like Lucas nailed on, like with with him and Ed, this is the time to buy. Like you know, he last year he was hovering at a, a decent cost, and now he's in the fives, and and definitely worth a chance now. I I think again, if you like you build a team, maybe where you speculate on saves, this this is the route you could definitely take. Um, and who knows, maybe they're a little better than we think, and he does have a skills uptake, may get a lot more opportunities than you know maybe we uh, can anticipate. Houston Astros, Mr. Ryan Presley, another one of my um, DC heroes last year with Matt Barnes, um, probably was uh, one of the MVPs amongst many late round MVPs I have, but uh, I think he was the differentiator for me. Um, You guys sold on him being the closer for the full season here for the Astros. Personally, I'm I'm a little worried about that um, because this is a guy that, before last year was strictly a setup man, never had that closer experience. I know that doesn't really matter as far as if a guy's a legitimate player and can shut down the other team at the bottom of the ninth. But this is one of those teams where I could potentially see them adding in some more talent because they do want to win. They're nearing the end of their contention cycle. So given the fact that he's going around pick 100, uh, just a little bit too expensive for me considering I could see some risk there. Michael? Same. Um, I, you know, I think Presley is a really, really good closer. I mean, he had a rough start to the year last year. He settled in really nicely, really kind of flew under the radar as a really nice, um, you know, mid-tier type of guy. But I, his ADP is really high to me at this point. I, mm. I, I'll probably be passing on him there. Um, but he, the talent is, is really there. There's another one of my gut things too, guys like that, you know, even though he's been super effective the last couple of years, I remember when he was with Minnesota and he wasn't very good at all. And I always have worries that shades of that stuff could re-enter into the, uh, you know, the, the way that things go. And guys like that give me pause and give me second thoughts. I, I'd rather have what I think of in my mind as a quote unquote pure closer, like somebody that's really had the job for a long time and, and knows the ins and outs of it, but Presley's terrific. I just yeah. have a little concerns that they could add someone else in. And c- considering the cost, obviously he's a very good pitcher. It's just the cost and the fact that this is a team that's, you know, dying to win, so they could easily add someone else in who's going to take the role from him. I, uh, I, I, I think I hear what you guys are saying, and I think the biggest hang-up for me is the ADP could it, 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 it it's at a spot, especially like in a in a draft champion where I'm not really targeting closers, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's going anywhere, to be honest. I mean, he's got pretty much every quality you want in a closer, the ground ball, um, 
rate is is superb. Uh, the expected metrics off the charts. He keeps the ball in the park. Um, you know, in the zone, he's well. He makes guys chase. I, I don't see, you know, the the Akeda walk is amazing. I don't see anything here to me that screams, let's go get another guy. I just think it's the price right now that, that I wouldn't personally go for. Um, but maybe as I'm transitioning into a, like a main event um, where those guys are going to get pushed up, to me, I don't see... I don't see them replacing a guy with this to me, like uh, uh, an ultimate closer skill set that I'm looking for. No, that, that's fair. And, and one of the other factors and why I could see them bringing someone in is simply how thin the bullpen is behind him. Obviously, they picked up Pedro Baez, but they've got Blake Taylor, Enoli Paredes, Brooks, Brooks Raley, Brian Abreu, and Andre Scrub a lot of question marks. So I could just see them lengthening the pin out. So that's part of the reason why I could see them bringing in a player as well. Right. Absolutely. Makes sense. Especially um, I, I, I think too, like they're going to try to remain competitive and, you know, field a solid team. So they may, yeah, they definitely could add that. Unless buys is their end game. I don't know if they, True. you know, if they're going, if they're going to give, you know, Josh James another shot, is he, you know, does he get that, the bridge or, Abreu's an interesting guy. He, he, you know, last year he was pretty terrible. But the year before he showed some some signs at the end of the year. So they definitely have an interesting situation there. I it, it's just weird to me because I feel like with with so many of the like the locking closer situations we have that Presley just I don't know his skills scream like don't like they don't need to replace him. But I agree like yeah. paying paying up for him is is um. It's a lot right now. It's uh, it's, again, it's not a, it's not a spot where I'm chasing saves. So, um, but you did me good, Ryan Presley. I love you forever. That's no for kidding. Sure. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Kansas City Royals. We have uh, Greg Holland resigned. Um, looks like to be the lead guy, and then a couple of healthy options behind him. In uh, a couple, you know, I think guys kind of bend back and forth on who might be the next guy. They're both worthy. Um, choices in Stalmont and Scott Barlow. So, talk me guys. What uh, talk me through what you guys see here? Um, I should just realize that Wade Davis was a non-roster invitee, huh? Oh God! Yeah, they just signed him this week. Yeah. Stop! Stop! They're getting okay. the band back together. Oh my God! Who is the <laughs> Who is the other guy in the pen? Who is the um? Calvin Herrera. Yes. All right. He's next too. Jesus Christmas. All right. Tell me, tell me what you guys see here. How do you see this situation shaking out? I feel like this is a, a bullpen that is very, very deep. They've got a lot of talent and not that many big names other than Greg Holland. Scott Barlow has a tremendous slider, draws a lot of whiffs off that. Stoma is one of the somewhat more expensive uh, players to get to get in the draft champions. You know he doesn't necessarily have the role. Uh, you factor in Jesse Hahn is a very serviceable player. Mm-hmm. Even a guy like Tyler Zuber could potentially come in and get some outs. And uh, very under the radar, but for a dynasty league player like myself, Kyle Zimmer uh, mm-hmm. finally had a very solid year last year. So I like I said kind of earlier, I think that this could be a team that mixes and matches quite a bit and gets funky. Yeah, you sniped me with the Zimmer one, Lucas. Absolutely. I, li- I like him a lot. 
I, I agree with you. I think there's a, there's bullpen depth here. And I do think that Kansas city is going to be better than people think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my, again, that's my fat gut feeling. Um, and I, I saw them uh, play quite a bit last year. Obviously they were playing against the Sox quite a bit. And, uh, Stoman is, is crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. the arm is just insane. So, um, I, I, I like him too. I think in a lot of home leagues, he's the type of guy that'll fly under the radar, but could give you some value at the end. I mean, in doing drafts with, you know, sharks like you guys, you're going to pick him up and, and snipe him from people like me. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of value there in those bullpen guys. And I think there's potential for some holds there. Right. I think, I think it's uh I think it's going to be a, sh- a shit ton of holds. Um, options here for sure. Another great um, t-shirt, shit ton of holds. Shit ton of holds. Yeah, we're, we're just a t-shirt making factory. You could be, yeah. you could make it be shit ton of shoals. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, this is um, this is an interesting, interesting team. A lot of live arms, like you guys said, Stallmont and and, and Barlow and and Zimmer. Um, especially like Barlow and Stallmont, they they showed some pretty top notch skills. Um. Stalmont obviously just had a little problem with, you know, letting guys to free pass. I think that's been his hang up, but his end zone stuff was pretty insane. Um, yeah. Um, this is going to be a watch all year. I think uh, any sign of a Holland, uh, a Holland slip or um, yeah, there's a lot of options. And Jesse Hahn, like you, uh, like you mentioned, um, Lucas, uh, a lot of live arms in here. So, um, the other thing to think about too is that if they do end up sucking and they trade him, that creates an open spot too. Right, hundred percent. This is this is a really tough team for me to figure out who's going to be the guy. One thing I do know is that I feel like in your really deep leagues, if if some of these names are out there and you like some of them and they're they're really cheap, take a stab at them. And honestly, in your AL onlys, I think that these guys are going to be good enough to stay in your lineup year in or you know kind of week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Great point. Absolutely. Yeah. You, if you look at an AL only league, these guys, I'm sure, get a pretty good boost. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. guys that got, that want to get them on the team for good ratios. And then that next next man up. Um, all right. Who are we moving on to next? The Los Angeles Angels. This is, um, I think, uh, one of the more bona fide locks in the league mm-hmm. is Iglesias. I think even on the Reds, he was a lock. Um, so this is not a pan I'm looking too deep into, um, at least for save wise. I think Iglesias gets all the opportunities or at least, you know, pretty much all of them. Um, and yeah, for, for like a long relief guy, Felix Pena is a guy, I'm, um, you know, like I, f- I feel like I'm looking at him every week. Like in every year he'd been available. <laughs> it's like oh, always uh, if if I'm a little short at um, either starting pitcher or relief pitcher, some, in some years he's has qualified for both in you know some home head-to-head leagues, and I've utilized him in a bunch of spots. And you got Ty Butchery too, who's you know um, up and down as well, but showed that he can handle the job at at a deep time. And then Mike Mayers, but I think they're all just waiting in the wings because Iglesias, I just think is a, is a top five closer. I mean, and you know, for Roto, the designed leagues, I think he's, he's a, a good five top five option. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's going to, going to be the case there. Um, you know, we know, you know, we know 
a lot of history on Madden and how he likes to use bullpens. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll line those guys up in the proper fashion, but it'll be Iglesias and it'll be nice to see a manager just finally leave him alone. Right. Um, you know, I think, I think he'll, he'll fit into that role real nicely. And they also had another under the radar kind of guy that they signed to was Alex Claudio, who, um, you know, might end up getting some holds too in really deep leagues, right? He might be somebody that you take a look at, although he's not what you would call a hard thrower or somebody that really lights up your, uh, your life with his with his uh, data he gives people out absolutely. absolutely mike i completely agree with you there it's going to be really nice to hopefully have uh, madden just just leave iglesias alone in the role i mean however it will not be as nice to have to draft iglesias in the top 70 top 60 once the main event rolls around that's going to be petrifying but he's <laughs> locked in yeah i i'm Iglesias is one of those guys. Yeah, I, I love him. I, I've always loved him with the Reds. I, he's, I think I uh, always dated back to last year, an article that Alex Fast had on Pitcher List, and it was like club tendency. And obviously it changes per match, you know, like when the teams change managers and stuff like that. But uh, under under the Reds, they were consistently, you know, uh, one of the teams in the highest uh, tier of, of keeping one guy in um, with Iglesias. So, I mean, how good is Alex Fast, though? Jesus. Man, I yeah, love that guy, amazing. man. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. He's, he's who I want to be when I grow up, you know? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, furious. Even though I'm probably old enough to be his dad, you know? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's great. He's doing so much for the community and so much for baseball. I love it. It's like, you know, he's just an easy guy to to root for, to, you know, to, I saw him on, you know, the MLB network and he was talking about CSW. I'm like, he's talking about fantasy things. I'm like, we're going far, but it's still, he's such a great analyst and everything he does, he's, you know, he's gold. So, you know, it's, yeah, um, if he was, uh, if he was Marcus Stroman's agent, man, he would have gotten him. So such a big ooh, deal. That was a, a he would have got segment. him a Bauer contract. <laughs> okay. We'll move to the Brewers now. Um, you know, oh, we forgot the Dodgers. Did we? Oh, yeah. Fucking Dodgers. All right. We'll go to the Dodgers. Um, what we got here? Kenley Jansen, um, training, training, greater all. Um, guy I like for some deeper targets, too. Like we were saying with the with an Amir Garrett type is Victor Gonzalez. I've been Think I have the most shares of him, and out of all the DCs, I think I, I think I've got him on four out of four of my teams. And again, wow. a forty a 48th, you know, forty seventh round guy that I'm taking for, you know, like just in case, just in case, you know. And I think he got a great arm. But um, so what's your thoughts on Jansen here? Is he is is he gonna keep this job? Is it, how is his skills popping out for you guys? You think he's he's firm in it? I mean, they had some weird usage with him during the playoffs, but um obviously they're just definitely trying to win and um you know when you micromanage in the playoffs but how do you think it plays out in the regular season i think the reports of his of his demise are greatly exaggerated mm, i love um, that line i think i think a lot of people um were down on him and and thinking that he's well he's not Ken, kenley of old so let's uh, throw him out with the trash I, I think he's still a pretty effective guy um i could see him easily with the role returning top five, top six type of closer stuff. Is he number one anymore? No. But the other thing is, is that they're lighting a fire under his ass with the guys that they have in that bullpen because they got three or four guys that legit could close on that team. And so, you know, I think he's going to come in, he's going to come in in shape. He's going to come in ready. And, uh, you know, it's going to really test his metal, but I think it's his job to lose. 
Lucas, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with Mike there. I, it's kind of strange that he's become a bit of a big mystery as far as, A, is he still good enough to continue to get the saves on the best team in the game? And, and B, you know, where where is his skill level exactly? But I'm comfortable with him. Um, even even around 125, where he's going. If If I'm really desperate for a closer, I like to get something tangible on my roster. I'm personally comfortable betting on some of the deep flyers past like 250 and such. So I like to have the guy that I feel good about. Um, and yeah, Jansen's definitely one of those players for me. Right. Uh, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's the comfort factor. It's the history. It's the track record. And again, even I think all the other arms are, are just um, like an embarrassment of riches. It's just because mm-hmm. they're that type of team, you know, like, um, like the Rays, it's just depth everywhere. It's, you know, it's, 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 we, we can put this guy in and he could be this, you know, the same thing. He could do the same job. And, but I think until Jansen is really, he hasn't shown that he can, he's going to really fall off a clip. So I think it's a pretty comfortable job for him for sure. Until he, you know, shows that he really can't do it. And um, obviously, you know, where where they are in the standings is going to play a bunch into it too. Obviously, if they if they're probably not likely, but if they're you know scratching and clawing to make the playoffs, you know, and he's not performing, it could be a situation where they you know try to do like a roll with the hot hand. But I think he's he's pretty safe. He he's shown um, his his skill set has remained pretty solid. Um, so mm-hmm. I think I think he's gonna I think he's healthy in that role for sure. Yeah, I would definitely feel feel comfortable with him as my uh, first closer. And they also brought in two other really talented players that uh, might, maybe flew under the radar. They grabbed uh, Corey Knable. Yeah, he did. And, uh, and they also got Tommy Canely, who was yes. outrighted, outrighted to AAA from the Yankees. And, and the Dodgers were like, all right, we'll take you for two years. Once you get back from Tommy John, we'll have possibly a really good player. Yeah, they've got cannon. They've got cannons, and they've got experience in that bullpen. Look out! Those guys are going to be really good again. And one more thing, I wanted to add, Rob. You had uh, you had mentioned Victor Gonzalez. It's yes. definitely far from a perfect system, but if you do run the auction calculator with ATC for saves, which I know is is just so fickle, but if you do do that exercise, Victor Gonzalez does come out as a top twenty-five reliever. Wow. That doesn't surprise me, though. After watching him, I, I certainly see. Yeah, exactly. Right. I yeah, I, I love everything I saw about him last year. And in, in the eye test, um, I was constantly watching the Dodgers and the Padres last year on, on the MLB, um, net, you know, past games. I, it was it was late night and it was consuming baseball like an animal. And it was you know, the Padres were just a, a main draw at night for me. It was like, even though I had a multitude of games, I'm like, yeah, I'm watching Tatis and that team. And it was the next was the Dodgers, you know, and so I saw a lot of him pitching last year. He really impressed me. And um, it, I don't think it is a fickle exercise. I think, you know, calculating um, dollar values for your league setting, whatever league you have is a great way to um, mirror the values of pitchers and hitters together because I think like um, it's tough to evaluate them sometimes on you know like ADP or whatever so you have to find like a more um, tone you know like more in tune 
way to evaluate the players and dollar values separate, you know, when you're splitting hairs. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great, I think it's a great exercise to run, especially that auction calculators, um, you know, tons, tons of tools out there that you can generate dollar values. I think that's a great exercise to do Lucas. Good. Thanks for pointing it, that out. Yeah, the only issue that I ha- and I agree, obviously, these these projections are really great. It's just the distribution of saves as far as what a projection system has. It's just a bit challenging is all I'm saying. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. 100%. Right. Right. Great to point that out. But uh, here's the beauty of, of Gonzalez. I was seeing how many saves uh, ATC had given him and see, tried to see how much that factored into this uh, great projection. They only gave him one save. So you don't even need to get saves to get production out of them in those deep leagues. Right. Absolutely. Great point. And then you take it over to a, like, like we're talking about a home league where, you know, maybe um, you don't have to have as many starters in it. You have a flexible, like a, a minimum in and pitch and you throw a guy like him in, he could be pretty, pretty solid for your team. Okay. With that, that'll conclude the first half of our bullpen pod with Mike Carter and Lucas Beery. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please drop a rating and review on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening to and hit me up on Twitter and we could create some dialogue. Thank you, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And don't be a bag of shit.